Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, episode 27. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today we have all kinds of fun and delightful things to share with you. You'll hear from inspiring mama Elsie Ayudicello all about her homeschool day and a recap of our Wild and Free family camp that took place a couple of weeks ago. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. Nearly 50 families and 150 children gathered in the mountains of Buena Vista, Colorado at Trail West Lodge for Wild and Free Family Camp. After a rousing and spirited meet and greet, we settled into our rooms and took in the gorgeous surroundings that would become our home for the weekend. We were looking through the family directory this morning, so we were like, oh, sorry, I got your toe. Yeah, we were like, oh, look, those are some tall kids there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's our oldest. He's 6'3". Okay, fun. Yeah. And like 14, and 15. He's 16, 17. 17, okay. 17. How fun. And then our, our second boy is probably 5'2". At dinner, okay. we were entertained oh, by wow. Francois, our beloved comedic host for the weekend. Giddy up and do do All you cowgirls, grab your bow. Giddy up and do do Shout and enjoyed a spaghetti dinner served by enthusiastic teenagers from all around the state of Colorado. We ended the night in our PJs with a movie on the big screen in the main lodge. Children already forming friendships, mamas and papas sipping tea on the deck, and stars shining bigger and brighter than we had ever seen before. The next morning, we awoke to a rainbow stretching down from the misty peak of Mount Princeton into the valley below. It was a silent promise to each of us that we were meant to be in this place. After a hearty breakfast, all of our families gathered in the corral for some rowdy fun and rodeo games. We competed in the dizzy bat race, a shovel pole contest, and the water balloon toss. The mighty chipmunk slipped into the top spot with a come-from-behind win in the tug-of-war challenge. In the afternoon, mamas and papas bonded with their children by traversing the high ropes course together. Others swam in the heated pool or took naps in a hammock, while the little ones went for pony rides in the corral. We gathered once again in the evening for an outdoor barbecue in a hoedown with live music and dancing. We'll never forget the joy and delight on everyone's faces as we danced and laughed and let down the last bits of our inhibitions. Laughing until our cheeks hurt and dancing until that Colorado crescent moon appeared over our heads in the sky. For some of us, this was the most wild and free we had ever been in our lives. When we weren't zipping through the trees or taking hikes through the aspen grove, we came together for family sessions in the lodge. Aubrey and Jen led us in wacky songs like Peel the Banana that got the kids singing and dancing. Then it was time for just the parents. 
My husband Ben and I shared some personal stories in hopes of being as real and vulnerable as possible. We didn't want the weekend to go by without reminding everyone that the greatest adventure is a committed family of mamas, papas, and children all in it together. This weekend was about so much more than just fun and games in the majestic Rocky Mountains, although that would have been magical enough. We sensed there was a greater purpose for all of us coming together. We came as strangers, but after just two short days, we realized we were among kindred spirits. We had discovered lifelong friends. conversation between Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer McGowan, who were both at family camp and shared their experience with us. This is Jennifer Pepito, and I'm here at the Wild and Free family camp with Jen McGowan. And this is our first family camp. How about you, Jen? We are here for the second year. Oh my goodness. Actually, I saw a little clip from last year's family camp of you and Aubrey singing, and it was like heart melting. Oh my goodness. So fun. We're, I think we're singing again. No, I don't think. I know. We're singing okay. again this year. So. Oh, I can't so wait. That'll be I'm fun. super, super excited. So, you guys drove from Nashville? You flew from Nashville? We flew. Yeah, we actually had some mileage, so it worked out perfectly. Okay. Because that would have been a long road trip. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know yes. what? Actually, I'm kind of embarrassed. I need to do my United States geography. Like, I know what states border, <laughs> but it's hard to conceive of, like, how far Nashville is from Colorado. Or, yes. And there's a lot of Texans here. And so right. And how far is Texas from Colorado? I know. And Texas is so big that... I mean, just across Texas would take you two days, probably. Yeah. Yeah. For the Pepino family, this is one of our first family camps in years. But you guys just did this last year. So what are some of the things that we can look forward to? Well, this place is amazing. So we're at Trail West, um, which is a young life camp. Um, and this is like no camp I've ever been to. So it's we're not roughing it around here. <laughs> I mean, the lodge, everything, the accommodations are just so amazing like perfect you're not worried about like bugs crawling on you in the night which would be fine if right, you're right, out right. camping well, but anyway it's well, super nice so speaking of bugs I gotta... <laughs> oh listen here they go oh that's fun there's more people rolling into camp basically what we're doing here is making memories with our kids Absolutely. that are gonna last them forever what are some of the best memories that you guys have from last year from last year well one of the things we love is the aspen grove down here like aspen trees are my absolute favorite so and then we played um frisbee golf there's a great frisbee golf course here um there's all kinds of hiking there's this huge we're looking right now at this huge playground that is like a fort um so that's super fun for the kids and then the best last year for me was the hoedown <gasps> oh i'm excited so tomorrow I love night to we're dance. gonna have a hoedown do we get to dance aubrey and i are gonna teach you a little <gasps> song and dance oh my god that's so, <laughs> so that should be fun <laughs> some of my kids love to dance and some of i think actually all my kids probably love to dance yeah so i'm so excited deep down they love to dance yes, right <laughs> yes i mean most of them deep down and right out there love to yes dance, so Okay, so are you gearing up for the school year? We are. Okay. And it's been kind of hard because a, a lot of my friends who homeschool um, are starting up, you know, or have already started up in the last two weeks. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's that pressure. Should I be doing something? But I've just put that aside because I knew this trip was coming. We're actually doing the same thing this year. We're leaving here and having family vacation in Colorado. 
So we're going to be gone for 10 days. There was no sense in getting into a routine. Right. Only to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll start right after Labor Day. And you know, it's funny. I think sometimes we just so underestimate the power of experiences Absolutely. to educate. Do you know what I mean? Like who says that being in nature and observing an, observing an aspen grove and getting on a real live horse totally. is any less educational than opening a book and reading about it. Yes, right? yes. And the longer I homeschool, the more I realize that um, those things just kind of merge together eventually. You know what I mean? It's right. not so forced. Right. It's not like this is school and then this is normal life. It's like it's it should all kind of right. blend together. Right, I you love know? that. And one of the things that we've done on this trip too to like make it more so-called educational is listen to some audiobooks. Awesome. We listened yeah. actually to an Agatha Christie yesterday, which... I have slightly older, you know, the youngest is eight. I mean, it was still maybe a little old for him even. And then we were listening to the Moffats. So fun. So it's kind of a fun way to get some extra vocabulary. We're reading again. Heidi right now. Oh, I Which love that we've book. never One read. Special book. None of us have read it. Yeah. And so we're having so much fun reading that. We're about halfway through, so we'll probably finish on this trip. So are you reading it out loud in the car? Like well, I'm not in the car. I, I get car sick too. And I try to read a lot to my kids in the car, but it's not always that successful. Yes. We started it right before we left Nashville. So then we read, like we stayed with some friends in Denver the last few nights. So we read it at night and then we'll continue Okay, on well, the other side of this. Our current read aloud is called 10 Peas in a Pod. Okay. I haven't and heard of this. It's, it's about the Pent family. It was actually published by a now, I think it was published by a now defunct vision forum. Okay. And, but the book is really cute about this family with eight kids in the 50s who traveled around the country okay. doing little meetings and stuff and um they started homeschooling in the 50s so it's really interesting because they were in florida and california and they had to fight kind of the authorities sure. to have the freedom to homeschool yeah so that's kind of one of the you know one of the there's a few things that are interesting about it to me one is that they're traveling and one is that they we're homeschooling way back in the day right. when nobody was. It's so yes, weird. they're so. like forging the way. I know. And That's cool. Are. Okay, what's the name of it? It's called Ten Peas in a Pod. Ten Peas in yes. a Pod. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I don't know if it's if it's it might be out of print. It might be hard to find, but it was, okay. It's a fun family travel book because they're just like, and, and especially if you ever feel sorry for yourself on the road, like these people were driving in halfway broken down vehicles and running out of gas and it was it was they were roughing it yes, yes. for for real yes for real <laughs> they were it. not like, at trail west yes like we did drive 15 <laughs> hours to get here but this was nothing compared to what they were doing so yes so what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to this fall in your homeschool well we are starting um beautiful feet books curriculum we're doing early american history so i'm excited about that because three out of the four of my kids can follow along and um, that's going to be really fun and I'm doing the peaceful preschool with oh, Kayler which is so going to be so How sweet fun. she's so excited she's four but she's ready that's so, so we're great. doing that those are two things that I'm really excited and about. this is a really fun way to kick off your school or like your school year if you're studying early American history to be in a place that has so much history and the little forts and the corrals and just so many so much of the vocabulary even yes of the you know pioneer era oh, or yeah. the cowboy area yeah. yes Yes, and my kids oh, are really excited. Exciting. We got the curriculum in the mail, and they're like, can we read this? Can we read this? I'm like, let's just wait. I know, I know, you know seriously. They, just, they want to open and read everything. Yeah. So. And one of the things that I do with my, no matter what period I'm studying, is I will put a bunch of extra books in a basket and let them go for it. Yes. You know what I mean? Because there's some that I want to read out loud to them. I'm not going to just hand that over to them because it goes along with our lessons. Yeah. But then I try to have just a big old stack of books that they can pull and read. Sure, that's yeah. great. Love that. So what's one of the books you're most looking forward to reading out loud this year? We have a list going, but um, as far as a read aloud or for our curriculum? 
Sorry, allowed. we have kids all around. Know, and, and it's not one of ours. So I, I was know. like, is that one of mine? Because I don't want anyone to be crying and not knowing where the mommy is. So. That's so funny. Well, my oldest son is really excited to go through the Ember Falls series. Have you read oh, these? No, I haven't read those. I think there there are three. I know for okay. sure. He got he just recently got them, and so okay. that's going to be our next our next series. Okay, so I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, we're I'm going to read. We're reading the Little House on the Prairie books, and I'm going to read. There's one called Sarah Witcher's Story about. I think it's maybe by Elizabeth Yates, but okay. it's about a little girl who gets lost in the woods and is like a sort of mother i can't i can't tell a spoiler alert spoiler alert so i know don't tell Sarah me what's your story it's like a colonial era yes. story it's really fascinating oh my goodness so. and then yeah. we also are going to read the secret garden oh fun so that's that's one we're looking forward to too that's exciting we just um hit a major clearance book sale at barnes and noble and stocked up so we're oh, excited good about for that. you yes. that's fun we st- we hit a thrift store up on our way out here so i found one book for my kids, a couple books for myself. I was really excited. Well, and sometimes that's fun, like, if you go to older places or thrift stores because you can find things that are out of print. Or yeah, that, that's right. Like, the the book that I found that we're reading right now, Heidi, has, like, this gorgeous illustration um, and pictures throughout, and I can't find any more like it. Yeah, so. yeah. If you're, if you're, I mean, really, we've built our library from thrift stores. Yeah. Because, and, and at this point, if I see a book that I know is amazing, I'll often pick it up for somebody else because I'm like, this is 50 cents here. Even if you order on Amazon, it's going to be 350 plus shipping. So, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jen, I'm really excited to spend the weekend with you guys and listen to you sing and hopefully <laughs> sing along a little bit. Yes. Dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As homeschoolers, our job isn't merely to choose a curriculum and gather all the right materials, but to think about the kind of culture we want to have and to create habits that will make it a part of our lives. Charlotte Mason once said, Every day, every hour, the parents are either passively or actively forming those habits in their children. Upon anything else, future character and conduct depend. Whether you're a planner or you fly by the seat of your pants, good habits can make all the difference in your days together. It might take time to form a new habit, but it's the most important thing we can do to create the kind of learning environment we desire for our children. This month, in our new content bundle, Habit, we're exploring the theme of habits and what it takes to shape the culture of our families. There's a ridiculously fun Swallows and Amazons book club, a beautiful sailing-inspired nature journal section, handcraft tutorial, new podcasts, and so many wonderful articles to encourage beautiful habits in your homeschool this year. From morning time, mama culture, handicrafts, to schooling with a toddler. If you sign up right now, you'll not only get this month's bundle habit and last month's bundle story, but you'll also get a print sampler of the new bundle embers coming out this October. To learn more, visit bewildandfree.org slash bundles. I'm excited for you to hear this next conversation with a dear mama and regular contributor to the Wild and Free Bundles. Jennifer Pepito sat down with Elsie Ayudicello to talk about what their homeschool days look like and what it means to create parallel learning spaces. Let's listen in.
So you have your four fairly young boys. Like how old is your oldest? Because they seem like they're really close in age. They are extremely close in age. My eldest is nine. He will be 10 at the end of the year. And he's only 12 months older than his next youngest brother. So they're very close together. And then my youngest is four. Okay, so four kids in five years. Yes, with a couple of miscarriages in between. So there was like a solid six years of my life where I was always either gestating or lactating. It was it was a rough time. (laughs) Right, right. That does wonders for your wardrobe, right? You got to have like several different sizes of clothing. So your oldest is nine, your youngest is four, and they're all boys. And I have four boys myself. They're a little bit more spread apart in age, but I know how busy boys can be. And yet you get a ton of homeschooling done. And there's just so many books that you guys read and projects that you do. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about how your daily flow goes. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of parallel learning spaces. So could you tell us, first of all, how, how a typical day goes? So a typical day starts off with me not wanting to get out of bed. (laughs) Uh, I can relate. That's how it starts. I am a night owl. I am not a morning person. So as soon as my kids were old enough to fend for themselves in the kitchen, um, I spent a lot of time diligently training them how to make a few meals in the morning safely and well. Um, I have two very early risers. So they usually in the morning make themselves a tiny little breakfast and they like to read. So they'll get on the couch and read or they'll play with their Legos or whatever. And within, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, the rest of us are up. And what I like to do in the morning is to give the kids a lot of fun responsibility that they enjoy, that they take pride in, so that they feel like they've contributed to the life of our family. So the older children at that time usually go and feed all of our animals. We have goats and chickens and a pig and some rabbits. And so they go out and they feed the animals. And then my younger two usually help me prepare our family breakfast, set out teacups, set out forks and napkins and all that kind of stuff. After that, while we're waiting for the things to stop cooking, once the older brothers come in, I actually send them outside to run. If it is not raining or lightning or 120 degrees outside, I make my kids run because they come to the table exhausted and hungry already. I mean, it's like eight o'clock in the morning and they're already like sweating and tired. It's really great. Um, So they come and they sit down and we have breakfast. That's when we have our morning time. Um, I like to read through a lot of beautiful things, um, sing the doxology, do some hymn singing. We always have a memory verse um, that we meditate on that we read every morning. I don't expound on it. It's not a sermon. I just simply read the verse and we stay quiet for a second, let it soak in. And then we go on to the next thing. And our morning time is on a loop. We have Shakespeare, art study, music study, uh, basically things that can't be measured in terms of how well you know them. None of it is tested. I'm not looking for progress in any area because this is all just nourishment for your soul. I'm trying to um, just instill in them a love of truth and goodness and beauty. So So partly in the morning, what helps them to sit quietly while you're doing your morning time is that they're having breakfast and tea. Yeah, they're exhausted from running. And they already got to do stuff with their hands because, you know, boys like working with their hands. So having them go out there and like feed in, which is not, that's not a simple task, going back and forth, lifting, you know, pads of hay, filling up water buckets, and then coming in and washing off. 
you know, running outside, then coming back in and eating together, you know, they're very content because they've already been so active. They're very content to just kind of sit and listen. And it's been years now that we've been doing it. We When morning time started, it was five minutes long. And we've built it up over the years as people grew older and matured and learned to appreciate um, different elements. I mean, yesterday, I wanted to get up from the table and one of my kids was like, but we didn't do Shakespeare. And I'm like, it's not Shakespeare Day. And they're like, please. And, you know, they wanted it to keep going. They wanted a little more. I don't want that to sound like everything over here is like fairies and rainbows and wonderful magic. It's not. There's times where my kids will have a bad attitude about school. But for the most part, because they know that there's no pressure on them at morning time to perform, that it's just enjoyment of each other and relationship and nourishment for their soul in general, they're content to say it a long time. My four-year-old, I usually give him complicated food like a clementine or a hard-boiled egg for him to peel because that takes a long time for him to do so he'll stay longer. And then once he's done eating, he usually checks out. He goes and he gets a special Noah's Ark with little wooden animals that he has. And he'll play with that, you know, for however much longer our morning time is. So he's kind of there. He's a part of it, but he's, you know, doing his own thing. So, Which is kind of neat because sometimes what sabotages morning time is having to get up and quiet down a younger child. But if they have a routine where A, they have something that takes a while to eat, Mm -hmm. and then B, they have something they know they can play with, Mm -hmm. then they can just do their thing. You don't have to get up and try and sit them down or or even interrupt them to say, please be quiet while I'm reading. And it's important to note too that, you know, the success rate of that is slow going at first, like getting a child to the place where they know like, okay, I eat my food and then I get to do this. It sounds simple when you say it out loud, but really this is not like a quick bandaid. You have to have that diligence and have the intention of repeating that many, many days over and over and over and over again until it's second nature for them and they feel comfortable doing it. And even at that, you have to take into consideration that three, four and five year olds even sometimes just they wake up and they have a bad day. I mean, we wake up and we have a bad day sometimes. So having the grace for children when they just can't handle it. Morning time is not on a pedestal. It's not an idol for us. You know, that relationships are more important than a peaceful morning time. You know, so there are some times where I'm like, you know what, guys, it's not going to work this morning. I need to go calm your brother. I need to go hold him on the couch. If his sensory needs are flaring up and he needs me, I'm going to go do that. You guys can stay and read aloud to one another, or we can try this again in the afternoon. So that happens sometimes too. Which is normal life with children, especially I have a couple of kids who have some sensory issues and mm-hmm. I understand completely how you can't always guarantee how, I mean, you can't guarantee with any child how they're going to behave, right. but especially when you're dealing with a child who gets more easily stimulated or annoyed. Right. So after morning time, what the next part of your routine? Yeah, after morning time, my kids clean up from morning time, they clear all the dishes, if they have to unpack the dishes from the night before from the dishwasher, they do that. And by my children, I mean, my nine year old and my eight year old and my five year old is currently my six year old, sorry, he's six now is currently apprenticing to learn how to uh, unload the dishwasher. So he lends a hand with certain items that are in there. And then that this is the time when I usually pour into my four-year-old. Um, I hug him really hard. I read him a couple of stories. I just make sure that his love tank is full of mommy, mommy, mommy. And I am very fierce about protecting that little time each morning for him. And sometimes it's only 20 minutes 
but it's very important for him. He depends on it. And once we're all kind of on the same page, we go gather in the classroom and we begin our school day. And the way our school day runs is that we begin subjects on the hour, every hour, and however long it takes people to finish, once they are done, they get the rest of that hour to play. So if we start math at 10 o'clock and it takes them 30 minutes to do it, then they have the rest of those 30 minutes to do whatever they want to do. And then when the next hour starts, we start the next subject. So that's kind of how we progress throughout the day. And during those break times, they can play outside, they can read books, they can crochet, they can do whatever it is that they want to do just to reset so that when they come back, they're less antsy and wiggly. I just I know that block scheduling doesn't work for every family, but I've really appreciated it because boys are very wiggly and giving them that opportunity to run as fast as they can outside or to do something engaging with their hands. I mean, I have a child that if he gets an idea in the middle of class to build something with Legos, he will not let that idea go until he is able to build that item out of Legos. So it's good that we stop 20 minutes later and I let him go get that idea out so that when he comes back, it's it's off his chest, it's off his mind, and he can now focus on something else, you know? So you do with these older ones, because that was actually something that kind of was an issue for me in my homeschool year last year, is that I was a lot more flexible with our learning, mm -hmm. but then we didn't get as much of the core subjects, especially with my youngest, as I wished. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance chasing the spark and getting enough reading and math done that they keep progressing those? subjects? I think ordering of the day is really important. So I like to put the subjects that mean the most to us or the things that we need the most work on right now first. We get those over with as soon as possible. Um, so those are usually the first two blocks in the day. And as soon as those things are done, then it's not that the rest of the day doesn't matter. But if life happens, and we're not able to get to those other subjects, it's okay. And when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I can kind of relax and say, well, uh, you know, the day didn't go exactly as I planned. But at the very least, we were able to get to these two things that were so important to us. And then again, just having that good balance throughout the day. I've been, I've been playing with this a lot lately of trying to do, you know, left brain, right brain activities and, you know, going back and forth between the two of them just to see, especially with my youngest one, and this is still very early in the trial stages, but just to see what kind of effect it has with him on his his learning. So I'm always playing with their schedules trying to see who works better when because I think it's definitely true. I mean, even I think about myself, I am much more productive at night, 9.30pm <laughs> hits. And all of a sudden, I have a 100 ideas, I'm ready to write, I'm ready to talk, I'm ready to party, I'm ready to do things and create. And I have a son that's like that, you know, early in the morning, that's not when his creative juice is flowing. But later on at night, 830 at night, nine o'clock at night, all of a sudden, he's ready to write. So looking into this next year, I know when we go to do our, our IEW, our, um, our essentials of writing with the, the Andrew Pudua program, I know chances are he's going to want to do that creative writing at night. Interesting. And I love that you said that because one of my other questions was, how do you fit in time to update your blog or write an Instagram post that's so informative? And I think you probably just answered it because, you know, the other thing that can be a real issue in my school time is if I get on my phone, if I get on my phone, right. when I'm supposed to be doing school with my kids, then pretty much everybody loses attention or loses focus on what we're supposed to be doing. I have a love hate relationship with phones. I definitely see where they are useful. 
But I always try to remember, and Sonia Schaefer says this a lot on her blog, if you ever read um, anything on Simply Charlotte Mason, but she always says, you know, you need to let technology be a servant and not your master. And so with the phone, whenever we're in school, I kind of put the phone to the side. And the only time I touch the phone is if all my kids are working independently and everybody's fine. If everything's okay, sometimes I'll do a quick Instagram live because I have a lot of people that ask questions about what does it look like when they're all working at the same time. So sometimes I'll do a an Instagram story. I'll record, you know, 15 seconds real fast and then put it down. Um, a lot of times I actually write my Instagram posts or my blog posts the day before I post them. So sometimes I will post something that is happening. Um, you know, I'll post something at 1030 in the morning that actually happened at three o'clock in the afternoon the night before, but I wrote the post and saved it on my phone and I didn't hit publish till the next morning because sometimes I like to sit on it. I, I try to be careful with the words that I put out there on the internet and make sure that it's something that's helpful and encouraging to people that it's useful. So I do a lot of my writing at night and I like to sit on my writing for a little bit before I put it out there. Yeah, that's lovely. So and then your blog, you also update at night? I do. You know, I go through seasons. There's sometimes where I don't write on the blog as much. I had some people that were disappointed that I didn't really update Instagram that much in April and that I didn't really share anything on the blog in April. But the reason for that was because it was the end of the year program for our classical conversations group. Um, I had a family vacation. We had a lot of real life stuff that was happening that I wanted to be a part of and completely invested in. So as I order my days, as I was saying, you know, Instagram and the blog are further back on the list of priorities. So there are definitely seasons where I just don't get to it. And that's okay. But in the seasons where I'm able to get to it, it's something that I enjoy. It's a good outlet for me. I enjoy writing. I really like thinking about education and homeschooling. I like encouraging homeschooling moms. So when I can, the time that I have saved for that is at night when everyone is asleep and the house is quiet and... I'm Joe March. <laughs> right, right. I stay up late writing. I love being with my kids and I love talking about homeschooling, but homeschooling has to be the priority for yeah. me this season. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about parallel learning spaces and we only have a few minutes left. So so parallel learning spaces kind of gave it, first of all, that was Ainsley's word because I kind of floated the idea of, you know, what we do at home. And she was like, oh, I would love to learn more about parallel learning spaces. And I was like, oh, that's a beautiful way to, to put it. So I actually just kept the title when I wrote about it. But that kind of came about because like most young mothers, I was trying to homeschool with a baby and a toddler and nothing was working. It just felt like everything was always like a level five disaster. And I would have all these great intentions. I would read all these articles and books and I would feel very, you know, full of all this stuff that I wanted to pour out to my children. And then they just, they weren't accepting it because they were so busy having tantrums and being toddlers. And I was so frustrated. I'm like, why don't you want this beauty that I'm soaking up for you? I so badly want to share it with you. So I just had to get to the point where I realized every day when I woke up, my main goal was to distract my youngest children so I could focus on my older ones. And I thought, gosh, that's really sad. I'm we're doing this Charlotte Mason thing of preparing the feast and I'm treating my toddler and my baby like they're party crashers. And they're not, you know, I need to honor their personhood and find a way to make a learning work for us in our space. And a lot of that, I think the first step was recognizing that our family situation, like all family situations, are unique to themselves. 
And that's very difficult in the age we live in because we're constantly looking at images of what other people do. So I kind of had to get to the point where I thought, all right, these blogs are great. These posts other people are putting are great, but I can't hold them up as the standard. I can let them inspire me. I can let them give me little ideas for pieces to put together in my own home, but I can't let them be the standard that I'm trying to aspire to. So that was the starting point. So from then on, as I walked out my days, I would just think, put myself in my toddler's place or put myself in my baby's place and think, what is their daily life like? What are they experiencing in our home? And how can I make sure that I'm including them in this beautiful education that I'm striving to give my children? How can I equip them to go through the day without having to ask me for a hundred things? So a lot of that is where Montessori came in, empowering them to be able to get their own water and make their own snack and clean up after themselves and dress themselves. And, you know, taking the time to do all of those things really helped and um, setting aside a table just for my third child, who was very much a third child in every sense of the phrase, you know, and having that space that was his own, that meant the world to him. That really, really did. And it enabled him to be able to take charge of his own learning and partner with me and coming up with new ideas of things that he wanted to study. And then it was good for the youngest one too, because he's in a place where my main goal for him is just self-advocacy to be able to recognize, okay, I see the world differently than everyone else does. But that's okay. I can still function within this sphere. So we're that's how we learn side by side during the day is my older children at the big table and there's still chairs for the younger ones should they try to decide to join us. And then there's a little space to the side for my youngest one where he does a lot of work boxes and stuff that he enjoys. And then in the corner is where the six-year-old gets to work in his own kingdom that is untouched by his other brothers. So that's kind of where we've fallen. It is so important to be able to take into consideration all the different levels and not treat these little ones as if they're an imposition on our day. Well, Elsie, there's so many more things I'd like to talk about, like planning for the homeschool year. And I, I appreciate that you just put up a big post about how some of the things that you're going to be using in the coming year and fitting it all in was so helpful today to hear about your morning time and how you've made it work to be able to cover so much good literature. So I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. So and will we get to see you at the Wild and Free National Conference in September? Yes, I will be there. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited. I can't tell you how excited I am to just go and be filled and not have to have any responsibility anywhere, but to just sit and like enjoy and learn from so many of these people that have inspired me and that have taught me so much. I'm thrilled and excited to be able to go. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And I know that lots of people are still going to be asking you for advice so <laughs> because you do have a wealth of wisdom. So thank you for sharing it today, Elsie. No problem, Jen. I always really enjoy talking to you. A new homeschool year can stir up so many emotions. If you're new at this, then you're likely a mix of nervous anticipation and giddy excitement for the new journey before you. You're on a high from the box of shiny books that arrived on your doorstep and the amazing deal you found on eBay for math curriculum. Life is like a box of colorful macarons and you can't wait to free fall into the beautiful feast before you. Or maybe you're not a homeschool newbie and you're coming off of a difficult year. You're feeling reticent and just can't muster the enthusiasm you see amongst your friends or other moms exuding on social media. You're not ready to give up, but you're not sure what you have to give or how to make sure this year goes differently. Those of you who've been doing this a while know that homeschooling has its seasons. 
You've had your fair share of discouraging days over the years, but you can also recall so many of those beautiful moments you shared with your children, like reading under your favorite tree, taking walks down by the river, or drinking tea with the snow falling outside your window. And in the midst of it all, somehow your kids learned their math facts, their states and capitals, or mastered algebra and chemistry. You've been doing this long enough to know firsthand that academics do not equal an education. Learning happens in our children when they feel loved and when they care about a particular subject. Or, as Ken Robinson put it, learning happens in the minds and souls, not in the databases of multiple choice tests. I don't know where you are on this journey, but I do know this. Homeschooling is not for the faint of heart. There is no easy way, my friends. Homeschooling is hard because parenting is hard. Life is hard. But that is why we do it. And deep down, we know it is worth the effort, the time, the soul stretching, and maybe even the tears along the way. When we're dreaming about the beautiful journey of learning that lies before us, we sometimes forget to factor in grumpy children, or parents for that matter, hungry babies, mischievous toddlers, or the days when everything just falls apart. That's no fun, but it's a real part of this. So friends, when your days don't end up looking like the image in your mind of beautiful scenes, of kids devouring books, of nourishing conversations and enthusiastic learners, don't give up. This is life, real life, and life is not always picture perfect. But count your wins, as my good friend Tony says, and remember, you are not alone, and we are rooting for you. Finally, I want to leave you with a fun song that was sent to us by 8-year-old Emma Kucherin. She is part of a performing arts program called Kaleo Kids for children up to 5th grade. She wrote a song about what it means to be wild and free, and it ended up on the album called Courageous Hearts, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. I hope you love it as much as we did. Over the hilltops, through the trees, the summer sun jumps down on me. Across the meadows and far beyond, the ocean waves and fish in the pond. Wild and free, wild and free, it's where it's where I want to be. God is creator of all.